Hello, I'm your host, Gemma Holbert, and welcome to the Yachts You Podcast. This space is entirely dedicated to authentic conversations about life at sea. Through thoughtful chats and real experiences, I talk with some of the most insightful men and women in the yachting industry. No questions off the table as we dive into the wonderful and absurd world of stewardesses. Before starting today's episode, I wanted to share about this week's sponsor. Now, about a year ago, my interior team and I decided to make the switch to 100% eco-friendly cleaning and laundry products. A few things were important to me when researching companies. It had to be good for the health and well-being of the guests, crew, and environment. The products had to perform as well as, if not better, than what we already had, and I preferred supporting a small business. When the deckhand raised his hand and said his dad had a small eco-cleaning product company in South Africa that started in his garden, the head of housekeeping and I were all in. Now, please don't take it lightly when I say that new eco products were a game changer. As an interior, we are all about simplify to amplify, and with new eco, we were able to purchase 25 liter drums, which meant we didn't have to do a cleaning or laundry provision for six months. Plus, we avoided an insane amount of single-use plastic, and we spent about a third less on cleaning supplies. Not only did the convenience of refills work incredibly well, I also loved how well the products worked around the interior and were safe for the whole team, even those that had highly sensitive skin. My top four products are the laundry detergent, which kept our clothes looking like brand new, the Gamazine replacement product, the hygienic surface spray, and the anti-back hand wash. To learn more about New Eco and browse through their products for the galley, interior, engineering, and deck department, visit www.new-eco.co.za or look at the show notes for a direct link. Welcome back to another episode of the Yachtstew podcast. Today is a really exciting day. I have actually come with a ton of questions for our guest today, and I am just so, so excited to learn. So Eileen, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. So can you share a little bit about what you do and your expertise? My name is Eileen Donaghy, and I am the afternoon tea expert. That is a real thing, believe me. I teach people about afternoon tea in London. I host events where tourists will come. We will have afternoon tea together and I will teach them about the history. I will talk to them about tea and also etiquette because afternoon tea is such an important part of British culture and everyone has a lot of questions and wants to know the correct way to do it. So I teach people on Park Lane in London And I also help hotels um, improve their afternoon tea offering as well. So because I go for afternoon tea so much, it's very easy and clear for me to help venues make their afternoon tea that more special and really to help them stand out in the market because it's such a popular activity at the minute. Oh, that's amazing. Love afternoon tea. I shared on Instagram a few months ago that the owner requested afternoon tea and I literally just Googled it and just crossed my fingers. And after that, I just thought, I got to find an expert. And upon Googling afternoon tea expert, Eileen, you came up, which is so perfect because I just think we're going to learn a lot together today, which will be great. So let's kind of start with the basics. What would you say are the key essentials for an afternoon tea? And what would you look for when you're setting up an afternoon tea? 
Okay, so afternoon tea is one of those occasions where you can go really all out or the essentials, which we'll focus on now. So the essentials to me, in terms of utensils, you need to make sure everyone has a small plate, everyone has a teacup and saucer. In terms of cutlery, it's a small pastry fork and a small butter knife. Sometimes people ask, is a regular dining knife and fork okay? It's a bit too large, so the smaller ones are better. Then, of course, your teapot. Um, you should also have small dishes or jam plates for the jam and cream. Then the cake plate. So it's interesting because the tiered stands are very iconic when it comes to afternoon tea, but they're traditionally reserved for venues. So hotels or restaurants would normally use those. You wouldn't see those so much in the home as they're more of a space saver. So that's sort of the key essential items. You can really push the boat out and include extra items. So if you're serving this leaf tea, you might want to have a tea strainer. If you don't have a tea strainer, that's okay because you can decant the tea into a new teapot if that works for you. So yeah, so they would be my sort of essentials. But, you know, there's so much that you can add with afternoon tea and make it very fancy and elaborate affair. But they would be my key essentials for sure. Oh, that's such good advice. Thank you. <laughs> I need to write all of that down and put it into a checklist. And before we go any further, this was the number one question people asked online that they wanted me to ask you is when you have scones, what goes first, cream or jam? Okay. So this is an interesting one and it's a, it's a really big debate, debate actually. So I'll explain where this came from. So why we do this in the first place. So there's two areas of England, two counties. Um, so one is called Devon and one is called, called Cornwall. And in Cornwall, they are famous for their clotted cream. So in Cornwall, a Cornish cream tea would consist of your scone with jam and then cream on top because they want to show off the cream. Whereas in Devon, they do it the other way around. So what I would say from, if you're being totally correct, I think it's personal preference, which you do. However, if you are in Cornwall or Devon, you probably would want to respect their traditions. So if I was in Cornwall and went to a tea room or someone's home and they were talking about Cornish clotted cream, I would put that on top. So I'd put the jam first and then put the, the cream. So just to be polite and respectful for their beliefs. But interestingly, two years ago, I went to Buckingham Palace for the summer garden party and we were served scones and because it was a garden party and there was a you know there was a lot of people everything was already sort of pre-prepared and I thought it was interesting that they did cream first and then jam so my personal preference was always cream first and then jam so I think if it's good enough for the queen it's also good enough for me oh heck yes <laughs> absolutely <laughs> that is so cool what an experience it must have been as well going for the garden party Oh my goodness, it was so surreal. So what happens is you have to queue up outside Buckingham Palace and you're brought through the main courtyard. You get to walk through a little bit of the palace. So you basically just walk through with your mouth open because it's so incredible. And then you get to the garden and there was music. It was a beautiful sunny day and there was, you know, lots of people that you recognize. So the prime minister at the time was just casually walking through the garden and then there's a big fanfare 
and members of the royal party, royal household come out to join the party. So you don't know who is going to be there on that day. So we had uh, Prince Charles and Camilla, and I think it was Prince Edward. I can't remember, but Charles was sort of the, the, the star. It was a great experience, really so different. And I was really lucky that I was, that I was able to go. That's incredible. I feel as though just from hearing a bit of your story that you lived the quintessential English life and <sighs> I love it. <laughs> if you watch my Instagram stories, people just say, oh, Eileen, your life looks so great. But yeah, I mean, I think I, I'm really lucky that I've been invited to some amazing places and have, have had wonderful opportunities to go some places that most people don't go uh, ordinarily. Absolutely. And I'm sure that your background and your expertise in afternoon tea has certainly opened the door for a lot of those opportunities. And it's really probably pushed you forward in, in meeting a lot of people or, or experiencing incredible hotels and so on and so forth. I think with afternoon tea, um, what I noticed is, you know, obviously when you're invited somewhere, it's so important to be able to have a proper conversation and talk to the audience that are there. And from being in all these different scenarios, I've learned to literally talk to anyone. And I think that's a really important skill. And it does link through with afternoon tea because when you go for afternoon tea, you're there for the afternoon. So, you know, you want to have a nice time and, and be able to talk to people. As we are discussing afternoon tea, I think it's probably quite important for me to ask you to describe the difference between cream tea, high tea, and afternoon tea. Because they're, from my understanding, they are quite different. Maybe you can shed some light on that. That's a great question because most people just sort of think it's all the same. So let me explain. First of all, cream tea. Cream tea is a cup of tea or a pot of tea with scones. That is all. So it's just the scone and the tea. It gets the name cream tea because of the cream and the scone uh, and then obviously tea. So that's the simplest meal. I think we actually do have a National Cream Tea Day in June, so it's, it's very popular. <laughs> Afternoon tea then is a, a larger meal. So it would consist of your tea, of course. You would then have three courses. So you would have your sandwich course followed by the scone course and then finished off with the pastry course. So it's afternoon tea is taken in the afternoon, hence the name. So traditionally it would have been about 4 p.m. And at the time, I need to just go back in history. I won't be boring when I talk about history, but I need to go back in time a little bit just to explain and to set up the difference between high tea. So when afternoon tea was created in the 1830s, it was originally, well, it's the person who's credited for the concept of afternoon tea is Anna, Duchess of Bedford. She was hungry in the afternoon and she wanted sandwiches and tea sent up to her bedroom. So she got some sandwiches and cake sent up to her bedroom. And she had in bed chambers, the seating area would have been like a low chair and low table. So sometimes you would have heard afternoon tea called low tea. So afternoon time it was always meant to be a light meal and that's because in those days they didn't have their evening meal until much later maybe 8 p.m 9 p.m that leads me in to explain high tea afternoon tea remember it's in the afternoon it's a smaller three courses that are designed to be a bridge between lunch and dinner high tea totally different 
totally different. I know it's confusing, but it's totally different. So high tea, the main difference between the afternoon tea was that it was eaten at a higher table, so a dining table. And while they would have had some of the types of food served at afternoon tea, like sandwiches, they also would have had more substantial items like pie, quiche, you know, more things that would have really filled you up. And of course, they would have had a pot of tea. So high tea, when people talk about it, it's more of an evening meal. Some reports that I've been reading about have said that traditionally high tea was when servants had the night off. So all the kind of food was easy for the ladies and gents of the house to just take the cover off and eat, which makes sense. So you shouldn't really mix up the two terms. High tea doesn't mean it's fancier. It's something different. It is completely different. So interesting. There is, well, I suppose a smaller subtype that people talk about royal afternoon tea. And that is really just your standard afternoon tea. And the difference is you add a glass of champagne. So I I think that's my kind of afternoon tea. Yeah, (laughs) me too. (laughs) With an afternoon tea, I know you mentioned that you would have a sandwich course. Are there specific sandwiches that you should serve if you're trying to do more of a traditional tea? If you think about um, traditional afternoon tea in England, it was very seasonal. And some of the bigger hotels try to when they change their seasons, afternoon tea. So we're in August right now. We would just be at sort of the tail end of the summertime afternoon tea. So for sandwiches, I would say definitely cucumber is out there as one of the traditional British sandwiches. Other popular ones would be either a hand cheese or maybe a beef mustard. But then coronation chicken is still popular. They're kind of the key ones, of course, with different dietaries and things then there are various variations cucumber is easy because it's vegetarian and also an egg mayonnaise is also vegetarian so you know they're sort of good people pleasing sandwiches in terms of tea what type of tea should be served or would that depend on the menu is there one specific tea that always has to be on the table what are your suggestions well i think What I find is people are very territorial when it comes to their teeth. So people like in the UK, people uh, traditionally drink English breakfast virtually all the time. So it would be unusual to have an afternoon tea without that tea. I'm just thinking if I was to do something at home, I would always have an English breakfast tea or an afternoon tea blend because they're the traditional black teas that everyone likes. But I think it's nice, you know, to have, if you wanted to offer something different, so they would be your key ones, but then you might want to look at the menu and think, okay, if I'm serving maybe, I don't know, a Victoria sponge or something that's a bit creamy, maybe I will serve an oolong tea to complement that. The thing when you do afternoon tea, tea pairing, it's quite difficult because there's so many different flavors. It's not like if you were having salmon, green tea would work really really well. But because there's so many three or four types of sandwiches, plus scones, plus two or three cake, it's hard to get one tea that's going to really work for all, apart from the English breakfast, because it's such a strong flavor. But you can, you know, maybe do palate cleansing tea so like a nice refreshing white tea maybe as uh, to start and then move on to the black tea 
I've started to drink some pu'er tea, which is a Chinese black tea, and it's really good for digestion. So it could be an idea to serve something like that at the end. My number one tea that you should always have is the English breakfast or black tea blend equivalent. I think that is such valuable insight because I never would have thought to have done a, a cleansing tea and then move through the courses as you move through tea. I always thought you, you know, everyone gets one tea, they keep the tea, that's it. But I never thought, you know, as you would wine pairing with dinner, you could absolutely do that with afternoon tea as well. For sure. And I think it just really just depends on your menu. Think about the experience that you want your guests to have. So, you know, maybe when people arrive, you could offer them like a very small cup of white tea as a, as a sort of a cleanse. And then, you know, as you would say, if you went to an evening party and there's a drinks reception before dinner, you know, having that sort of initial welcome drink and then move on. But yeah, I mean, there's tons of things that you can do and explore with tea. But let's say, for example, on board, there's 12 guests, but only four teapots. Would you serve the guests when they sit down? Is it always serve yourself? How would you tackle that? It's important to take it on a case-by-case basis. But my number one rule, if you're host, you need to communicate effectively whatever your intention is, as long as you make that clear throughout. And, you know, make sure you say whatever, you know, if you want people to help themselves, you need to make that clear a few times. If it's 12 guests, because it's a larger number, it probably would be difficult for the host to go around each person. So what I would do is try and position the teapots sort of so it would be what one between three and encourage people, you know, please do help yourself to the tea. I would wait until they're seated and then bring the teapots in and set them where I want them. And then each time I put it down, just say, please help yourself. But I would imagine that when everyone has at least one cup, you'll probably need to refill especially in the sort of savory course when people sit down they tend to drink a bit more initially at the start what compared to as it goes through so I think as a host it's just your responsibility just to you know be aware of everyone's teacup level. I think that's a great point as well as making sure that you position the teapots so they're accessible for all the guests because it can be quite tight as well if you are perhaps sitting around a smaller table for afternoon tea instead of a large dining table it's not always easy to be able as stewardesses or as the host to to get in and be able to serve your guests. So I think you're absolutely right of just positioning them in in the correct manner so they're accessible to everybody. Exactly. Depending on what the seating plan or arrangement is like, sometimes it's easier just to say, look, please do help yourself. And it's important to tell people because, you know, some people are very polite and they'll wait and wait and wait until someone else makes the first move. And we certainly, no one wants that on boat. I think it's very important that the guests feel comfortable and obviously their their needs are met right away. So that is such a good tidbit of information. So if you were to do more of an elaborate afternoon tea, are there any special touches that you would recommend considering or adding to the table? Oh, yes. I mean, I'm a very creative person, so I need restraint to stop me from getting too over the top. But yeah I mean depending on if you want you can have different themes different color schemes maybe if your color scheme is pink you could maybe have the napkins matching or your the floral arrangements could match 
you know, you might want to do a nice uh, napkin fold, depending on the time of year. I haven't done one recently, but, you know, you can, I remember at Easter, you can make an Easter bunny out of a napkin, which is quite nice and, you know, a bit different. So I think looking at the napkins, think about the detail with that. Floral arrangement, are you going to have any matching candles on the table? Um, you know, sometimes for different events, I've done a display in the middle of the table. So we had an Alice in Wonderland themed afternoon tea. So we used playing cards and like we had some teacups that we used to display um, pearls and, you know, do, just different things to make the, the table really pop. And then just one thing that also adds a nice touch, which is also helpful from a planning perspective and from the host is to have your name cards or place cards so that people know where to sit. Yeah, I think that's great. And especially if you have guests with allergies, I think that's also quite important if you are hosting an afternoon tea and you've got guests with allergies, you know where they're gonna sit. And then as you bring food out, you know exactly where the food needs to be placed on the table. Exactly, it's so helpful. And what I normally would do is if I know I have two vegans coming or two people who are dairy free, then I sit them together so that if they are using the same stand of same tier, it's just so much easier to have those people together. Or if you have a dairy-free milk that you position that just right near them and maybe have a little tag on it saying, no, almond milk or whatever it might be. Yeah, that's a great suggestion, actually, is it's pairing them together. I hadn't thought of that. So I think that is such a brilliant idea. When you are out and about for afternoon tea, where is your favorite place to go in London for this occasion? Oh, well, there's so many good places popping up, but I, I do, I'm a firm favorite of Grosvenor House on Park Lane. So it's JW Marriott, Grosvenor House, London, I think is the full name. And that's where I would host my events. It's just a really, it's the perfect balance between a formal tea room but you feel comfortable. Food is excellent. So I, I do quite enjoy it. I think I might have to get my husband to take me up one afternoon. Yes, you should. <laughs> oh, that sounds lovely. And talking about obviously going out for afternoon tea, what would you say are some key etiquette details that people should be aware of? First of all, obviously it's called afternoon tea. It's not high tea. Because actually, before you even go somewhere, you should be aware that some restaurants are now offering high tea. So you could book something and find you're actually going to something completely different. In terms of one of my kind of pet hates is when people stick their pinky finger in the air when they drink. Do you know what I mean? When people... Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I think that's, so, it's just a misconception, really, that people should be doing that. But... I think it's quite rude, isn't it? It can come across quite rude. Yes, it's, yes. <laughs> so there's a story. If anyone's really interested, they can look on my Instagram and I tell a video about it and I explain the, the reason behind the rudeness because I feel it's, you know, it's early in the morning here and I, I'm, I don't want to offend any of your listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say, yeah, pinky finger is a big no-no. And then I think in terms of, etiquette as well with thinking about your behavior. I wouldn't have my mobile phone on the table. I think it's okay to take a few pictures at the start, but that's one thing I notice when I go for afternoon tea that some groups sit on their phone and I don't understand. When you 
arrive at the scone course, it's important to use your fingers to break the scone instead of the knife. So scones are part of the bread family, so fingers would be needed rather than cutlery. I had no idea about that. I've been doing it wrong my whole life. So the reason behind that is really if you cut it with a knife, you're left with a very flat surface and if you break it with your fingers you can see that it tans its fluffy texture and it's just yeah it makes a difference tastes different so um, they're probably the key things I mean the most important is really to enjoy yourself and you know really engage with the guests that you're there with and and that was the whole purpose of afternoon tea when Anna was hungry in the afternoon, but then she gradually started to invite her friends because she thought, well, I'm hungry. They might be hungry at this time as well. So, yeah, it's a social affair and, um, yeah, important to enjoy yourself. I think that's that's so important as well. Is just a reminder in everything that we do in, in general is there's a time and a place to take a photo, enjoy the moment, put the phone away and just embrace what you have in front of you. Because goodness, some of the afternoon teas I've seen advertised online or, or on in some hotels are incredible. And I can totally understand wanting to take photos, but I do think it's important to also just be respectful of those around you who are there to just really enjoy the occasion. Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, I think with the Instagram generation that we're in, people do feel like they want to get photos. And when I do go to venues, because I'm invited, you know, we have, you know, an agreement for me to promote the hotel, then I would do my own photography. But I always say, you know, I go at a not full dinner service, if that makes sense. So, you know, there's less guests there. I'm in a corner doing my photography. Yeah, and I think the rest of the time you just want to enjoy And while I'm still thinking about scones, although I swear I'm always thinking about them, what kind of jam do you think it needs to be? Is it always strawberry jam or have you ever had afternoon tea where there's other types of jam available? I've been to afternoon tea once and they had a choice of, I think it was maybe eight or 10 jams, which was really impressive. I can't even remember how many, that what the, all the different types, but they had rhubarb, they had lemon, they had rose. I mean everything imaginable. Most places offer uh, strawberry and maybe one alternative. I have a friend who's a chef and he, uh, he um, used to work in one of the big five-star hotels in London and he said they were reviewing their afternoon tea and he decided to, instead of have strawberry, he wanted to create a new jam. It was blackberry. So it was something a bit different. And he said the number of complaints that he got that there was not strawberry jam. Really? Yeah. So I think, you know, it's an expectation. So strawberry, I think, is important. Personally, I do quite like raspberry as well. But yeah, I think strawberry is, is, uh, there's an expectation around strawberry jam. (laughs) Absolutely. And, And afternoon tea and just tea in general is such a traditional occasion. I think it is so English. And when you think about it, you do think about your, I mean, cucumber sandwiches, you think about your scones and you think about your tea. So I think for someone to change something, I can't imagine would go down very well with those that have been enjoying tea their entire lives. Exactly. Exactly. Eileen, thank you. Gosh, thank you so much for this conversation and for answering my million questions about tea. And for anyone else that's interested in learning more, where can they find you online? And could you share those details with us? 
Of course. So my website is the www.afternoonteaexpert.co.uk. So I post my different thoughts in the news section and I also have a monthly newsletter. Or if you're on Instagram, you can look up Afternoon Tea London. I talk about tea, cake, scones, cucumber sandwiches all day, every day. So please do join me over there. Brilliant. And let's face it, you basically talk about all the good things in life. So there's no reason why you wouldn't want to follow along. (laughs) Oh, fantastic. Well, again, thank you so, so much. I so appreciate your time. And I look forward to learning a little more as we go on your Instagram about afternoon tea. Great. Thank you so much. And it was an absolute pleasure to speak to you today. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world if you could please share, rate, and review. Have an idea for a podcast topic or want to be our next guest? Get in touch through at the on Instagram or send an email to hello at the And be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. <laughs>